We take the art for There's big news in the world of weed. I'm out of a job. I'm the guy who Snoop Dogg was paying to roll joints for him. $80,000 yeah. a year. I was already barely paying my rent in Los Angeles. Yeah, it was a plum gig, though. It was so plum. One of the and plumest, now, but now the plum has become a prune. That's right. Snoop Dogg today posted, or I guess yesterday by the time we post this, but he claims he's giving up smoke. And I mean, I bet a lot of people have seen this by now, but it's this very solemn, self-serious picture of him in black and white with his like hands folded in front of his face. After much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. And then an autograph, Snoop Dogg. It's like... It's phrased very strangely. Yeah, the give up smoke give up kind of smoke. thing. Knowing him, he's such like a marketer and such like a shill that you just feel like he's about to announce his own kind of gummies to compete with Cheech and Chong. Yeah, say that I was he's about to say. Yeah, he's going to have his own gummies, but it seems like he's kind of late to the party if he's doing that. Like, yeah. does he not already have that shit? Because I know Mike Tyson has weed gummies. Mike Tyson has weed carts too. I've I've smoked a Mike Tyson weed cart. <laughs> and it didn't make me stronger than the normal ones. It all comes from the same factory. It's all uh there's a big thing of weed resin. It's like the Duff factory with Duff Light and it's all the different brands, but it's just the it's just brown goop. Yeah. In that sense, actually, that's why Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart get along so well, is Martha Stewart has all that cookware that's literally the same as all the things without her branding on it. And Snoop has that same mentality about marketing, you know, they're, they're a match made in heaven, but I guess you're right that like, he's already had so many opportunities to do branded weed gummies that maybe he's serious. We have to at least entertain the idea that he's not joking, you know, <laughs> or he's not marketing. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe he's going to launch a vape brand, but also it seems like he would have done that already. I don't know. Also, there's like no reason like he would stop smoking out of nowhere. And also the other thing is, if something was actually wrong with him, like he had cancer or something, wouldn't he smoke more because he's the kind of guy who'd be like, oh, like weed's good for you holistically, you know? Yeah. I just have a hard time believing that there's a real reason he would suddenly stop. I guess it's not good to inhale smoke. There's a certain appeal to it. Like I, I don't smoke weed very often, but I understand the appeal of like grinding it, you the different smells and yeah, the textures, sort of putting ritual. it in the bowl. It's yeah. like uh, the the smell of the smoke. It like it hits us a, a different way, but it also smells a lot. You can't really do it in an apartment because it's going to get in your neighbor's windows. Yeah, uh, it's, it gets on your clothes. It's it, and it's also uh, bad to get the carcinogens. But that's exactly the thing is there's so many ways to ingest weed now that. It just seems like a crazy time for him to announce it. And that's why I'm still skeptical, but maybe I'm the asshole for being skeptical. But also, maybe, what if he's just going to start, uh, he's going to become like a Silicon Valley, like ayahuasca DMT type of guy now. That would be awesome. That would be a good move to get into psychedelics. Yeah. But he's late to that party too, because actually now that Andre 3000's back in the, the media cycle, because he's got that album out tomorrow where he just plays flute with some jazz musicians in the press for that, he's been talking about how he went on some like Hawaiian ayahuasca ret retreat and he turned into a panther in his mind and shit. That sounds awesome. Yeah, his song titles for that album are like amazing. They're all like sentence long, weird, like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like these, these long winded, actually, let's just pull up that track list actually. Yeah, that's a guy where he says he's in his psychedelic period and you're like, okay, like, yep. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it's instantly believable. Yeah, I figured you did that like uh, in 1999, but 
Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, let's let's look at the track list actually before this uh we actually hear this tomorrow. The first track is I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. Then track two is the slang word pussy rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Do you agree? Yeah, that's when you're true. Right, you're right. Yeah. And then he's the just third making one, statements. This is the one I was referring to. That night in Hawaii when I turned into a panther and started making these low register purring tones that I couldn't control, shit was wild. Are these instrumental? Yeah, they're all instrumental. Go figure. Like That's what allows him to get away with titles like that. Yeah, it would be hard to say that as the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. I'm going to give this album a 10 out of 10 based on the titles and the knowledge that it's instrumental and it's only flutes. Yeah. Well, he has like a jazz band backing him, but I think it's like improvised on his part. That's Which sick, is what makes though. me think it's going to be like genuinely decent. It's not going to be bad or great. It's going to be like, okay, I get this. I'm pretty sure that's what it's going to be, you know? Yeah, he's very talented. He's a genius. Yeah. Although but he's also be crazy. been he's been away so long that like I don't even know I don't know what he's yeah. up to. It, like it's, it's crazy to, to think that the last time it was like the Idlewild soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really hit that hard. It was like Hey Ya and Roses. That was the last real Andre yeah. 3000 thing we got. And that it was when I was like that Idlewild was as unpopular and unremarkable as it was. It does have like, I don't know, three or four good songs on it, but it's crazy that they were like the biggest fucking artist in America. And then they put out their last album and it was like nothing. Yeah. I don't know if they didn't promote it right. Or the fact that it was a tie in with a film. I think that was a big part of it. Like this film that just kind of blew over and the album's okay, but it's just not that good. It's obvious. It's by far their worst album they ever made. Cause most of their albums are classics, but Yeah. But they were growing apart by that time anyway. Like yeah, they, oh, they were really like a, a cohesive unit. Kind of a Beatles-like thing where they started off having so much in common, and then by the end of it, they're just like traveling in separate tour buses, not really friends that much anymore. And, which is normal. When you start a, like a duo with someone when you're teenagers, and then by the time you're 30, you're just massive artists, obviously you've changed a lot between like 17 and 30, you know? Yeah. And those people are always sort of in a state of arrested development. Yeah, yeah. Because they got really famous so early. Like you yeah. didn't have the experience of like working a shitty job and not being able to make rent and like having a car that breaks down and shit, which like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to like think about being an adult without those things. Like thinking about being an adult, but it you instantly got famous and got unlimited money when you were 17 or 18. Yeah. I don't know what that would look like. Exactly. It's just such a weird... Outcasts are actually very smart and very grounded for having had that experience. Their first album was like, I think they were 19, which is fucking insane because that album's so good. Uh, yeah, they didn't go crazy or anything. They just yeah, yeah. decided like, to Andre's do like really reasonable. Kind of along with a uh, friend of the show, Nate. Andre's like one of those people who... That's how a normal person should be when they get a lot of success of, oh, I'm just going to like withdraw and do my thing because this shit kind of sucks you know yeah like if you're not enjoying it it's better to just do that yeah than be have honest like with a, yourself a big public meltdown or have an album that no one listens to or like like if outcast broke up publicly yeah that would have been that would have been actually, awful that kind of makes me optimistic for the andre flute album in the sense of like he could make some kind of like george clinton kind of thing into just like elder statesman who just does weird stuff that's really cool. You know, it might be good. Did he do something with Sly Stone? Uh, Andre? Let's see. Have they Andre's met? done stuff with no, George Clinton. Haven't. He's done a... George Clinton was on Equemini, but I don't think Sly Stone. They should hit him up. 
Because he's just sitting around. Yeah. <laughs> you can just get him on the studio or something. Like, his brain is completely fried, but he's still alive. Yeah. I was going to say, I think there's a reason why George Clinton's still on a lot of stuff and Sly Stone is not. <laughs> yeah. He truly, uh, one of the few guys to get really into PCP. Yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to those albums lately. Uh, there's a riot going on in Fresh, yeah. and they sound so weird. And it, it's the only time I've ever wanted to do PCP. <laughs> listening to that like i want to yeah, get there's into a this riot going on is a great album that sounds like shit because isn't the story i mean i'm sure there's a well-known story and i probably know it less well than most people but didn't he just have a tape machine at his home while he was fucked up all the time and he he just dubbed over it so many times that there's so much tape hiss because he was doing it by himself it was like diy tape recordings at a time when he shouldn't have been doing that yeah he was lying in bed recording stuff yeah it was like one of the most druggy albums ever, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's just... But they, they let him go a little too off the rails, and he yeah. lost it. His arc is so fun. Like his arc is fun in the sense that you hear it in the music of just like everyday people, like the BPM of that and the vibe of it, down to just like anything off of that album, where everything's like half the speed it used to be a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it really neatly tracks with America at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's Like true. it's so interconnected with the rise of the civil rights movement and MLK getting shot and all that stuff. And then the dejected, uh, uh, cynical seventies and Watergate. And it was around the time of Watergate that he, uh, kind of went away when they stopped touring and stuff and the band broke up. Now that we're talking about this more, it's actually digging up that part of my like music nerd brain of, uh, the outcast and Sly Stone overlap actually is that the cover of Stankonia is a reference to there's a riot going on. Oh Yeah. That might have so been they, what I was thinking of. They paid tribute to him without ever actually collabing with him. That's the kind of thing Macklemore does. He always gets those old guys in the studio. <laughs> it's like someone needs to get the Sugar Hill Gang in the studio. I actually, think I he might have done alive. that. Did he really? That's I don't, so I, I feel like he did that. Like he had Grandmaster Flash, I think. Although um, maybe he's right. Maybe me saying it's lame proves that it's not lame anymore because it's been too cliche that it's lame. So now it's cool again, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have to hand it to Macklemore. Mm -hmm. Like after all this time, he's always been so eager to be accepted as progressive and stuff and like be a real rapper. Like he's never been like, oh, I'm, I'm better than the black rappers. I'm the white boy and I'm doing it and I'm cool. Like he's always been like paying respect to the, the, the black origins of hip hop and all that kind of stuff, which is like, there's no way to win with that really. Yeah. Because then you just seem like a nerd. You just seem like you're talking about Africa Bambada in this shit. Yeah, because yeah, he is. But then uh, he he did the Palestine thing and it's like, yeah, you got to hand it to him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, you know, you can't take that away. It's just like, you know, Rupi Kaur is a total fucking hack, but she also turned down like that Biden dinner over Palestine. It's like, you know what? I got to respect that even though everything she does artistically sucks. She knows her audience. respect her as a person, you know? Yeah. She knows her audience is like the people on TikTok who are standing Osama bin Laden now. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, you can't be you can't be too Zionist if if that's your audience is like 18-year-olds. You know, everyone always talks about great artists who have problematic personal lives like, you know, your R Kelly's or whatever, but no one talks about terrible artists who have good politics like Rupi Kaur. Yeah. Or uh Jason Mraz. Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Jason Mraz endorsed Bernie. Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, I think Jack Johnson. Okay. But actually, it's bad now because Bernie didn't endorse a ceasefire. It's true. He endorsed so I think one... Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson should have tweeted that Bernie should have endorsed a ceasefire. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you, Jack Johnson, at the time when we need you? 
He's probably reissuing his album with Curious George. But uh, related to the Snoop Dogg thing, there's another job opening. It's being Rick Ross's personal flight attendant, and it, oh, it pays yeah. about the same amount of money. Yeah, as Snoop Dogg's uh, blunt roller. Yeah, it pays uh, $85,000 to $115,000 annually. It's so insane for him to give a range. Like, he knows that like when he sees a real job posting, you give a range. But there's no way that he's judging his flight attendant on experience and like skill. There's no fucking way Rick Ross has like the judgment to know how much this individual deserves within that range, you know? Yeah, and also that's so little. I guess it is Texas, so it, it would be a little bit better. Presumably you would be living in, what, Houston? Well, no, he lives in um, Georgia. Oh, he lives in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably confusing him with someone else. Um, but yeah, like that's... Not that much money. And then he also says, you got to have experience, got to have that positive vibe, got to be able to prepare the cuisine, serve the cuisine. So you have to be like a, a five-star chef. And then he also says, I had a seizure on a plane before. You got to be able to handle the CPR. So <laughs> you have like, to be trained in CPR. You have to be, you're responsible for saving his life when he does too much lean. You also have to be the chef. Then you have to be the flight attendant and you get $85,000 a year. I think to, this is when we need to open up to reading two articles at once, basically, because these articles are posted one day apart. This one about his flight attendant that could make 115K and this other one about how he opens up about his heart attack and his lean addiction. It's just funny that in the flight attendant article, he doesn't mention it's, oh yeah, gee, why did a young guy have like a heart attack on a plane? It's like obviously, the, or a seizure on a plane at least. It's like, oh yeah, gee, I wonder why that happened. And then the other one's like opening about up about his struggles with lean. It's like if you're trying to change and not do lean all the time, then the new flight attendant shouldn't have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something doesn't add up. But he says in this interview, I'd be up in the middle of the night eating T-bone steaks and ordering Waffle House. The chef <laughs> would make some shit for us at 2 a.m. and we'd want spaghetti, lasagna, and some lamb chops and some garlic rolls for no reason. And that's what we were eating in the middle of the night. So that's what you would be making, I think. Which could be fun. You would have to be a really big fan of Rick Ross. Yeah. You would have to want to hang out with him because it's you're doing so much. You're like his personal assistant for a guy who makes so much money, who has a private jet. You're only going to pay them that much. It's like the he's repeating the Snoop Dogg thing exactly, which I don't even know if that was true. The Snoop Dogg paying a guy $50,000 to roll blunts for him. Yeah. But it's like that, but unironically but I just say might, say a million possible. dollars it's not like they're gonna uh they're gonna call you on this like if yeah. you pay the guy two hundred thousand dollars they're gonna be like well you said in this this article on stereo gum that you were gonna pay him more like just it give a nice be, number to his credit maybe it'll be wise if he's gonna pay them more later you don't want to uh get Actually, I was going to say you don't want opportunists to apply, but it's all going to be opportunists. Like, who am I kidding? Yeah. How do you even apply? I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure that info is out there, but... I th and then at the end of that article, it suddenly says, he also had to respond to reports that his pet buffaloes were causing disruption in his neighbor's yard. He called them kind and peaceful. I always return stray animals. Make sure to always keep a collar on your animal. And mine don't have a collar because you know it's mine. <laughs> so when you see my buffalo, give it a carrot. Give it an apple. <laughs> it's so, so cool to be like, cool. always keep a collar on your animal, but I'm not going to personally do that. I guess that makes sense because there are a million cats. You see a cat, it could be anyone's cat. But, but a yeah, buffalo, he's got the only buffalo in the neighborhood. If you see a buffalo in Georgia, it's probably Rick Ross. So that article that's from March about the buffalo, 
It's also pretty funny. Well, first of all, okay, his property is called Promise Land without a D. Like it's just Promise Land, which seems so different than the Promised Land, you know? It's just yeah, it's a like land he, of promises. He makes promises there. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, what Mount so, Sinai was. It's in Fayette, Fayetteville, Georgia. And I just feel like this woman who's complaining about the buffaloes getting into her yard. This, if Rick Ross lives there, it just has to be ultra rich, right? Where there's no way that anything's going to happen to this woman with these buffaloes in her back. It's just like, it's some, I got to say, it's some Karen shit here to be in like, Rick Ross is in the right here of just, he's like, everybody wanted a statement and a response about a couple of Buffalo that got away in the community. And this is my response. And then it's like that part that you had read. And uh, he's just saying how they're, he also specified that they're uh, vegetarians. And it's like, yeah, you know what? That woman's fine. Her kids are fine. It's going to be okay. That's you probably true. have like a hundred acres of fucking property out there. You probably don't want to touch them though. Maybe pet yeah. buffalo are more trained. Maybe they're tamed sort of so they don't bump into people. But you always hear those stories about people getting out of the car in like Yellowstone or wherever they have buffalo and trying to pet them because they're cute. And then they, they go and run into you with their horns. Yeah, maybe that's so like... They could hurt you that way, but I don't think anyone thought they were carnivores. Like yeah. they were going to eat someone's <laughs> dog. True, like yeah. No, they're just going to like <laughs> trample over your bushes and knock a bunch of shit over. All right. Yeah. Now to play devil's advocate... You're right about the, he. They probably are knocking shit over, and also at the end of his statement, he used it to plug his whiskey, and he Deacon said, "Deacon whiskey, yeah, Deacon whiskey, in, inviting viewers to have a drink on me." Also, the drink's not on you. You're inviting them to buy the whiskey and have it on themselves. Yeah, have You're a drink on you. Have my drink on you. I don't trust him. I just don't trust him after the wing stop thing. Yeah, and after the the wrap snacks that weren't that good. Now I, I I retract my um sympathy for him. And now that I'm thinking about all his like child labor violations and shit, I think that woman next to him who lives next to him, who I also have skepticism about, I'm on her side hundred percent. Yeah, it's hard to say. It depends on the neighbors, I guess. Like he has a, a two hundred and eighty acre estate. So I would assume that these are like uh the mayor of Atlanta or something is his yeah, neighbor. Exactly. Like it's not uh, some poor family. On That's why I was trying to side like, with him at first, but then the flower the garden more trampled. I think it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't know. This woman I would have to learn more to just it. replace that shit, and it costs nothing. Oh, I was also going to say, how young do you have, or how old do you have to be to be Rick Ross's flight attendant? Because we know he hires like fourteen-year-olds at his restaurant. <laughs> That's a good point. So could you be like ten and fly the plane? Also, the more I think about that, it's like. Is like what is he really looking for here? Of like, is he looking for like a young woman? Then I feel really bad for her. You know what I mean? Or is he looking looking for like a guy his age to do this? That's like also really important in in breaking this apart. That would be a weird variation on the Epstein thing, having a child pilot. Oh God, <laughs> having that be the scandal that it's like nothing weird is happening. It's just yeah. a bunch of adults on a private jet, but the child, uh, the the pilot is ten. Yeah, the pilot's ten. The flight attendant is twelve. <laughs> They do a fine job. They they know everything they, they, they're supposed to do. His dad was a pilot, but uh, hopefully I get that job, even though I'm not 10. Yeah, we should both apply. Also, he has a Maybach Air plane. I didn't know that Maybach Air existed, but Rick Ross would be the that's first That's just him. That's just it. his record label. Is it really? Oh, it could be, dude. Yeah, Maybach Records. That's his record But like label. the actual Maybach car, though, I was figuring maybe it was like an extension of that, but you're right. It probably is his. Okay, I'm going to look this up now. Yeah, you look it up and it's just... Uh, Oh, it comes up with his LLC, actually. Oh, you're right. (laughs) 
Let's see his address. Yeah, it's a Florida limited liability corporation. Oh, yeah. He's got his EIN and everything. Yeah, you're right. So it really is just his label. You're right. Yeah, registered in Florida, Olive Branch, Mississippi. Hey, he filed his 2023 report on time. Good for him. He's not running his wing stops correctly, but he's running his his Maybach Air LLC all above the board, it looks like. William Roberts. That's his real name. William L. Roberts II. There it is. Wow. I didn't even know that Ross wasn't his real name, but there it is in the uh, the Florida annual LLC filings. The same place where you can find uh, Cat Turd LLC. Oh, yeah. We didn't even think about talking about that. Oh, though. I forgot Turd about stock. Cat, uh, Turd Stock. Yeah. He had like How we forget John so Rich from Big and Rich come to yeah. his house and they called it Turd Stock, which is just, <laughs> come on. Like, I know you're called Cat Turd, but- yeah, it's a bunch of it's, like it just sounds so gross and like if they don't know what it is, like if someone just sees a sign that says turd stock on the side of the I think the they road. think it's epic though. Like it's he wants to be uh even though he he carps for the most established like establishment politicians that exist, he wants to be anti-establishment in that sense maybe like it's not for you. Yeah, he's super pro Israel. That's where you really see the tension in the conservative movement. Yeah. When you've got something like this happen where like like it was obvious all along that the split between like the respected intellectual dark web and the no, no guys was just whether they support Israel or not, whether they're like, we don't like the secular Jews or we don't like all the Jews. Yeah. That's a good point. That's where you see people splitting where some of them are like, no, no, we like Israel. We don't like the ones here. They're too liberal, but we like Israel. And some of them are just like, no, fuck all of them. Yeah. You see a very different, schism in the democratic party in the democratic party it's just like will we allow israel to bomb gaza indefinitely or do we stand with palestinians whereas yeah on the right it's like are we okay with anti-semitism or are we okay with like halfway walking it back yeah they're really dancing around that stuff i don't know yeah it's pretty bad pretty embarrassing but they did it to themselves yeah you can't be doing that it is funny. Like we maybe we should do turd stock next week if we're still feel like talking about it because I don't have anything like good pulled up about it. But it's so funny to have like a festival with a bunch of no name pro Trump artists and one half of Big and Rich. Yeah, I'm not sure that much happened. It was at the Redneck yeah. Riviera in Nashville. Oh yeah, it was in Nashville. Ah, uh, that's funny too. That seems like the kind of city they should hate now. But yeah, I guess they love to feel like they're under attack. And actually, Nashville's the perfect city for Southerners to feel like they're under attack. Like, well, all these liberals are ruining it. Yeah, they've got like a liberal mayor, I assume. That's usually how it is in the southern states where they've got a Democratic mayor and they're all like, oh, they can't do anything about it because of the demographics. Well, the biggest city in America with a Republican mayor is very small at this point. Like even like Jacksonville and shit, I think flipped to Democratic control in the last election. Like in the top like 50 cities, there's like two or three Republican mayors. Yeah. And uh, when the Democratic mayor wins, the white people leave and yeah. then they, they win again yeah, <laughs> and again and again and again. Um, uh, it's, in terms of turd stock, the only clip I actually watched was something that Will sent me. And it was like, I don't know, it's just some fucking like random, you know, country musician who's like a niche Trump world star, you know. And all the comments on the video of him singing his song were just like how emotional it was and how they were in tears because he was saying how like, you know, the red, white and blue is under attack and all that shit. And yet when you watch the video, the biggest applause he gets is the line where he just mentions the name Trump, where like it's really just like a bunch of fucking trained seals like, ooh, Trump, I know Trump. 
none of these people are here song is emotionally resonant it's just literally this is a trump fan club you know there's cover photo on twitter is a picture of turd stock it's a picture of him and big and rich on either side of him and it's a picture of a tv like he took a picture of a tv with his phone are you sure that it's big and rich because i'm pretty sure that only rich went and then the other guys are just other random nobodies is that just a random guy i assumed it was big kenny because i think he's a different um performer yeah it could just be another guy wears a hat the only I thing i know about big kenny is that he always wears a big hat we're we're spreading um fake news here because i haven't verified that but we're just it could be that I, I don't know if big and rich are still together but it seemed like john rich was getting a lot more traction on twitter yeah i'm pretty sure it was just news. him but there was a great picture of him next to all the musicians and they're looking cool in their cowboy hats and their tight jeans and they were so uh they were so pleased with themselves about it. And it was kind of cute almost. Yeah. <laughs> and the like fact an that it's called Turnstock, like them, I guess, you know? I guess if I think about it in the sense that if we put together a festival called Poop Fest, and yeah. then a bunch of people were like, you know, this is just immature and stupid. We would think it was awesome. That would make it even funnier. Yeah, exactly. That's that's So what maybe the, it's funny to them. And the fact that people are like, turd stock, you know how stupid you look? Maybe they think that's even better. I think so, because, especially because he, for a long time, was an Elon Musk fan. Elon has that same mentality of like, his idea of trolling is doing something that's not funny, but just kind of annoying to most people. And it makes him feel superior because most people hate him for it because it sucks. But he's like, they just don't get it, you know? But I do, I also- think it's fair. It really is like an anime convention for like... Trump guys, you know, like it's super lame to everyone else, but they got their little community, you know? Yeah. It's an animus convention. (laughs) There's a Photoshop picture of him next to Trump and Trump's wearing a cowboy hat and he tweeted it with Trump cat to 2024. Let's go. And that's just kind of sad. Yeah. So like it would be one thing for a random Trump lady to Photoshop herself into a photo with Trump, but he's a guy who lives in Florida and he should be able to just go meet Trump and take a picture. Yeah. Like, why won't Trump take a picture with him? Yeah. Trump will take a picture with like a random dentist from like rural Florida. And you anybody within 10 miles of Mar a Lago can just waltz in there, but Cat Turd can't go to Mar a Lago up from like, uh, I think he's around Jacksonville. Yeah. Like, there's there's car dealership owners who viewed classified nuclear documents who have no claim to fame, and you can't even get a picture with him at all. It's weird that Trump doesn't reward loyalty. Has anyone noticed this? Yeah. Has anyone noticed that standing this guy for years and years, you don't really get anything and he'll just dump you if he doesn't need you? I think it's going to change soon, though. I think if you jump on the Trump bandwagon right now, then he'll be loyal to you. I think we should actually jump on. If he goes to jail, people will have more leverage over him. So Yeah, it'll pay off eventually. It's just like Bored Apes, you know? They're still waiting for it to pay off, but it'll pay off. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was like uh, 10 days ago now, but... There was an ape fest thing where they used some sort of laser to blind everybody in Hong Kong. Well, it was it wasn't a laser. It was the um, the actual lights for the stage were like UV dis- disinfectant lights. You don't need that now. That's not necessary. That's like March 2020 stuff when people were like turning on UV lights and spraying no, disinfectant over it's, like um, the ceiling. It's it's pure like libertarian incompetence and just hiring random contractors in Hong Kong that they haven't verified. To set up their stupid, like, libertarian convention. You know what I mean? It's so just, it, like, literally they didn't know what was going on. Like, the, the actual board Ape people were just so lazy and so not on top of their... You know, Branson likes to talk about the vendors for the Hawaiian house party. But this is why you spend so much time talking about your vendors. Because their vendors were not on top of it at the board Ape Fest. Yeah. 
I would assume what happened was they had the UV lights and you're supposed to use those to like, uh, to sterilize the floor when no one's there. Like you have a machine that goes around and it flashes the UV light. Like they have those in hospitals. Yeah, exactly. They're just, and they just have those as the lights. Yeah, exactly. Which is the sun. It's like having a, a, putting everyone in a big tanning bed. That's insane that they let that happen. And how did they not notice? Like, didn't they notice they were getting sunburned indoors? I think they were outdoors. Well, let me watch the video oh. again. There's video. Um, let me Why check. Why do they need all here. the lights then? Oh, it is outdoors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it, you want some uh, free UV light? It's look up. It's yeah. the sun. <laughs> when people get hurt from that, you can't get in trouble. That's the great thing. Like, probably thousands of people at Coachella get sunburns. Many yeah. of them may even get skin cancer later in life. But no one blames it on Coachella because it's not their light that they installed. It is funny. Like, even looking at the pictures now, it really does look extremely weirdly lit. <laughs> yeah. How do you not notice? It's so strange. It's like um, being inside a weed tent. Yeah. Or like a black light room. Everything. But, yeah. Everything looks so strange. And there's this weird film over everything. Yeah. And it's crazy super- to even think that this exists, that there are people still doing this. Because everyone who's sane, even a little bit sane, anyone who was like cynically riding the wave of the NFT thing, knowing that there was a a bigger sucker, they've all given up on this. It's only the true believers, but it's people who actually have the money to put this shit together. Yeah. And that's why I want to go through a number of posts here since this happened, because I wanted to see what the official Board Ape account was saying after this. Like, it's the only thing they've gotten press for in the last like year and a half is just like, potentially giving people skin cancer and shit by blasting them with like disinfecting UV. (laughs) And uh, they released, or first they released like a really callous statement that was like one paragraph or like, you know, based on our estimates, we believe that much less than 1% of people attending uh, had these symptoms, which seems extremely like glib. Well, they're not going to read it. Yeah. Or no, they're going to, they're going to make excuses for them anyway, of the people who are there like, haha, it was so fun, but uh, I wish we didn't get blessed with those UV lights. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. They're just like, man, I wish I got those 24 hours of blindness back. So I could have been looking at OpenSea. Yeah. (laughs) And saying good morning in discord. It's kind of like, you know, we're part of a community, so mistakes happen or whatever, but they did finally, like a few days later, they at least posted some statement acknowledging that, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Their lights uh, emitted UVA, uh, you know, rays. This is the A&M bonfire for NFT guys. Yeah. They're going to think about it the same way. Like, yeah, a bunch of people died, but don't blame the team. Don't blame the fans. <laughs> this is just all the apes, right? It's not red or blue apes. Yeah, this is all the apes. They're all coming together. Even the mutant apes, as I've figured out from their feed. I, okay, they say at the end of their statement that they're committed to supporting the recovery of everyone affected, but they don't ever specify. We encourage anyone experiencing symptoms to seek medical attention and share these findings with their medical provider. Is the it's hospital like, in Hong Kong free? I don't know. I would assume it is. But also, like, all these people were probably there for, like, you know, a day after. Yeah, that they would go home. Why even do it in Hong Kong? If in some sense, uh, I mean, I'm sure this is not their thinking, but from the outside, it seems like a, a test of people's loyalty of like the fact that you're still hanging on to your board apes means you'll travel halfway across the world if you need to, you know? 
Like you have money because you have this stupid thing you pay tens of thousands of dollars for. You have loyalty because you've been you've been fucking talking about it for three years now when everyone else has forgotten about it. And celebrities have been sued for uh, promoting it without disclosing their ties to it. Like you got to be a true believer now. And the guy headlining it was named MC Jin. Yeah, that was the video I was watching to see if I was outside earlier where the video, the the thing that was posted from it, like officially is like a 10 second clip where the point is to show the crowd but the thing he's saying while it's showing the crowd is now how many of y'all follow me on ig (laughs) like everyone there is just fucking in it for themselves and just trying to fucking get attention you know it's such a this is a weird type of fraudulent community yeah yeah he is he's for hong kong descent from miami and uh he had a song on the fast and furious soundtrack the first one Oh, funny. He does he hasn't done that much. He was in one Fast and Furious movie. Well, that's why he's doing Ape Fest in 2023. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. I hadn't heard of that guy, but it's interesting that he actually has he has some real credits, but I guess he's um Yeah. A few of them 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, they just they just call him when there's Hong Kong related stuff, I guess, which is uh, that's kind of sad. I feel bad for that guy. Oh, me but too. But also I mean, he got paid a bunch of money to to sell crap. That's exactly it. It's like, I don't know, he's still making his choices, so yeah, um, but the, the video is great because not only is it him just being like plugging his Instagram, but when they show the audience to like show how impressive it is, I'd say generously, there's probably like, I don't know, you can see maybe three to four hundred people, which like, yeah, maybe four hundred. Like, I don't want to like undersell it. There's at least like hundreds of people. And that's nice for like a small show or something like that's cool to get that many people together. But if you're throwing like an international festival, like come to Hong Kong, that's the fucking smallest festival you could possibly have, you know? Yeah. It's gotta be huge, but it's probably not that easy to throw stuff in Hong Kong because it's an Island and it's very crowded and it's all, it's also in a weird international situation where it's like part autonomous and then part, part of the Chinese government. Yeah. So it seems like not the most fun place to have a festival. But I'm glad they have a good time. And like, actually, there's a few of the things that came out of this from just scrolling the the official Yuga Labs feed. But another thing that really struck me is that all the things they're retweeting are people who went to this fest and then bought like literally hundreds of pieces of merch, and they're selling trash to each other. Of like, they're buying stickers of each other's bored apes, and it's people just buying 300 fucking bored ape stickers, and then like a backpack and four hats. And like a bunch of fucking magazines about NFTs. And it's like taking merch to the most depressing level possible where it's just fucking trash. It's not like a t-shirt of a band. This is just hundreds of stickers of slightly different looking bored apes. Yeah, it's a shirt that's, it's a shirt of a JPEG and the JPEG is on the shirt. So it's like, I'm a fan of this drawing. But most of them aren't even shirts. They're just cheap ass stickers that they printed because it's like the path of lowest resistance. Like, I would like some of that stuff, though, if it's on the cheap. I think you got to be at the Ape Fest to get it, because where else are you going to find it? That's yeah, the like maybe those people are selling it on eBay. I don't know if anyone would actually buy that stuff on eBay. Like that picture of the guy with like a thousand stickers, I, I would assume he's going to resell those. But I also, I don't know how many people other than me would be looking for ironic board Ape merchandise. <laughs> yeah. And it can't be, it can't be ironic, uh, ironically created board ape ma- merchandise like a certain person was selling back in the day yeah <laughs> it has to be real authentic board ape merchandise that was Agreed. made by someone who likes board apes 
and I'll put it next to my Beanie Babies. I've got a little Beanie Baby that has uh, Enron on it. Oh, cool. It's got the Enron logo. That's great. I know you got your Food Fight merch. My Food Fight merch. I've got my my lawn sign for Shiva Ayurdure, the guy who uh, was married to Fran Drescher. Oh, cool. And he's the email guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he ran against Elizabeth Warren in 2022. 2020? Probably 2022. And I grabbed a lawn sign. It was in front of a store. I think someone just put it in front of a store. <laughs> okay. What do we, okay. Here's a, we've accidentally juxtaposed two things here. What do you respect more? Ape Fest 2023 or turd stock? Um, probably turd stock. Like the people probably have similar vision on average. If you were to yeah. give them all an eye exam because they're all 80 years old and they have cataracts. <laughs> Maybe the UV lighting would have actually healed their eyes somehow if they went to the board ape event. Those are also guys that would go in a tanning bed. They would probably just look the same. They would be unaffected. Like yeah, John true. John Rich and those guys and the bearded vet. Yeah. Like the guys who sell uh, epic coffee on Instagram. Those guys would be right at home. And I think you're right that Turdstock is actually in a way more authentic because they're not there to sell 300 stickers to each other. And the performers probably aren't exclusively plugging their Instagram in between each song. Like they all suck and they're bad people and they're all stupid, venal, mean, shitty morons. But I think the board eight people, I think it's more sad and it's yeah. more like it's less of a real community. Like even Turdstock feels like there's some communal, like degree, like there's a degree of communal feeling there. Whereas the board ape stuff really is just buy my shit. I'm trying to make money off this dumb JPEG, you know? Yeah, and there's no hope for bored it's apes so to come back. Soulless. Like there just will never be another pump because there isn't the institutional support for it. Like the banks yeah. are not going to invest in it again. There isn't going to be another round of Super Bowl ads. But Trump could win again. It's true. Very real possibility he could win again. It could happen in 2024. So at least they've got something to hope. Uh, hope could happen. Yeah, the, I guess. The, yeah, I guess the turnstock people are like less naive than the bored ape people. I think the yeah. last thing I want to read about Bored Apes here is my favorite Bored Ape Stan, Jay Bond. He's the one who posted my favorite tweet about how while everyone was busy paying attention to the Blue Apes, Red Apes were making a show that would air in Apple TV. Of course, because he's one of the only true believers, he was retweeted on the official Yuga Labs account with his long ass like blue check post summing up all three years of Ape Fest. And I feel like we owe it to ourselves to read this thing in full. Yeah, this is a great post. He came through with some key observations from Ape Fest 21, 22, and 23. Ape Fest 21. Apes showed up and put a face to the people behind the PFP. Ape Fest 22. Apes showed up and brought stickers to NYC. Damn, that's awesome. They oh, brought okay. Stickers. They Ape brought Fest stickers? 23. Apes showed up and brought their Made by Apes products all over Hong Kong. It seems like okay. almost all those products were stickers, judging by those pictures we just saw. You can almost say that entirely. about a lot of shit. There's yeah, probably someone in a- Hong Kong who listens to this podcast. And there's probably yeah. someone in New York who listens to this podcast. So I guess we're international. This is so much lamer than... like It's like... They're recreating the saddest version of a punk scene. Like People making zines is like an easy like punchline now, but a zine has a thousand fucking times more love and passion put into it than making cheap ass stickers of your bored ape and bringing them to other bored ape guys to sell to each other. It's so fucking bleak, man. Like, yeah, at least a zine is for the sake of doing it. 
Yeah, exactly. For the There's love some, of the game. Yeah, you actually care about what you're doing. Like this is like they, they it's like a simulacrum of that or something. Like it, it looks like you're having that kind of community, but no one is putting effort into this shit. But anyway, no, he, it's only because they they're waiting for the first second they can sell it with a profit. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, so he goes on to elaborate about all three years of first year. First Ape Fest made apes realize the importance of IRL for digital communities. Digital is nice, but IRL meetups still hit different. And from then on, apes had done a lot of meetups globally, courtesy of local Board Ape Yacht Club clubs. IRL X digital and vice versa is important to make sure the club thrives. Okay, well, what did that do? The price went down. Yeah, it, it, it tanked after that. Yeah, probably Ape Fest was concurrent with the peak yeah the first so one was anything that, the LCD that happened sound there made it go one? down yeah. that's as good as, actually wait, wait wait was it lcd sound system i think it was actually just james murphy solo maybe if i remember right i'm forgetting i'm not gonna look it up but you know good on him for getting paid i won't begrudge him that yeah i would well, assume that he's smart enough to know that that's stupid but also like if the nft guys are offering you two million dollars to do an hour dj set True. I guess I couldn't turn if it. it was a shitload of money, I wouldn't be able to turn it down either. That's true. Yeah. Like doing an ad for it is one thing. Like going yeah. on Jimmy Kimmel and pretending you really like bored apes. Like that is I don't know how you live with yourself after that. Yeah. But doing a show at one of these stupid things, like eh, Yeah. If you get a the like, price is right. big payout that you can cash out right away, then like I Yeah, would as long do as they're it, not probably. paying you in these coins or they're paying you in NFTs. Yeah. Then you're That's stupid. The thing too. Yeah, then you're absolutely a moron. They're paying but. you in something that could easily go down. It's like being conf- uh, being paid in Confederate script. Yeah. <laughs> it's instantly worth nothing. All right. Second Ape Fest featured more and more apes creating stickers and pins to hand out at the event. Oh, Why? great. Like, this is like teen bands. It is exactly like, like punk this bands is of 16 year olds. They have stickers. Oh, we have a street team. You've recreated the least important part of a scene. Like the important part of any music scene is the music. And if you have a t-shirt or a sticker or whatever, it's like, that's fine. But there's no substance here. There is no, like the music part of it is missing, you know? Yeah. Why are they there? Except when you pay people like James Murphy to show up. But uh, anyway, yeah. He's like, why? Because we know each other as PFPs more than how we look IRL. The moment we show our PFP, it feels like we instantly know each other. PFP branding still trumps, even in IRL meetups. Uh, And then here's this year in Hong Kong. Third Ape Fest featured the bodega and a lot of activations by some Made by Apes brands. So an activation means you set up your street team thing? You set up your table with the t-shirts on it? You have your own like little merch booths for yourself. This is the most bleak. Th- okay, also like even comparing it to just like music scenes, it's like this is the most bleak version of society where every fan is selling stickers to each other basically. Rather than like a show where there's 3 bands and like 300 fans, all the 300 people are just selling stickers to each other and they don't create anything but the stickers. We are now seeing more and more apes branch out from being just PFPs to using their IPs for businesses and initiatives. No fucking way, dude. It is also inspiring to see these MBA businesses IRL and not just digital. I bet more apes will be inspired to put their IP to good use moving forward. No, they That's won't. That's the same thing. That's just someone making an LLC and then to printing stickers. out stickers and yeah. selling them at a table. Again, it's just someone selling stickers at a table. The peak of this shit was Seth Green's one minute trailer for his board ape pilot that was obviously never going to get made and never did get made. Like... 
That was a yeah. bigger thing than what's happening two years later. This is absolutely nothing. If he was smart, he got paid in money. What I is the so. bodega, though? I'm just guessing from context that it's where they sold shit to each other. It seems oh. like a convention hall, like uh, any like... It's like Shakedown Street at a Grateful Dead concert. Yeah, exactly. But way more depressing. At least, again, at least that's like a very genuine community. This is just so, like such a just like facsimile of a community. Yeah. Wow. Oh, there's still a little more in that post. Apes take their experiences and observations from their ape fest experience on what they build moving forward, whether it's network, personal branding, or their own ape business. And of course, the vibes during all three ape fest has been immaculate. Can't wait for the next one. Truly bleak. And then he has a picture of himself putting up a peace sign in front of those ultra, extremely bright UV lights. Yeah, I wonder what it even is. I'm looking at the lights. There's so many different lights. There's the Board Ape Yacht Club thing with the skull, which is apparently a Nazi insignia. Yeah. And there's a big triangle similar. around it. Is that the UV? Or is it the All of it is. Like the, just the, uh, the stuff on the stage, like behind them too, I think. I don't I'm know how sure. you even Maybe get UV screen. versions of that shit. Like, how do you buy that? Yeah. How do you Again, buy I don't a know UV like the regulatory environment is in Hong Kong. But someone had pointed out that this happened in like 2018 at a different event. So like, it's not the first time even. It's just literally negligence on the part of uh, Yuga Labs in getting their vendors in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's like the great white, um, the nightclub fire. But even that is more like, I like, I don't know. Even that was regular fireworks improperly used instead of like, it would be like if great white had fireworks that were set up to point at the audience. Yeah. Like they had a bunch (laughs) of flamethrowers and then they purposely uh, turned it on and then everyone got blasted. I just think it speaks to like the libertarian mentality of people who are still into NFTs of just like, we don't need to pay attention to how we're sourcing these, like, you know, this, these basic lighting for the stage. Like we'll just do whatever. And it doesn't matter. Like when you want a world without regulations, it kind of makes sense that you get what you want, you know, like this is the world that they want on some level. (laughs) Yeah. This stuff is not meant to make it into IRL as they call it. Yeah. I think it is. It's a great way to trade stickers. with. It's a great way to fly halfway around the world to trade stickers with each other and watch a guy perform who had one song in a uh, Fast and Furious movie, who you probably never listened to until he played this festival. Well, I'll play devil's advocate. A lot of people are going to sleep on the plane on the way home, and their eyes are going to be closed anyway. (laughs) So does it really matter if they were made blind by this festival? That's true. It's actually helping them sleep. It's going to wear off. Yeah. It's like if the if the uh the festival gave you a Valium before getting on the plane. You wouldn't complain about that. Yeah. Oh, you're you making my also, trip easier. You also need to put your life into perspective of, oh, I'm temporarily blinded from the stupid board ape fest. Guess what? Rick Ross also takes a lot of flights and he had a fucking seizure on a flight. It could be worse, you know. Yeah, it didn't stop him. Count your blessings. Yeah, he's still grinding out there. He's still letting his buffaloes run run rampant all over Fayetteville, Georgia. You know what? I've decided those buffaloes are cool. What was the native range of buffalo? I know they went pretty far east. Were they? Yep, they were in Georgia. They were indeed in Georgia. Buffalo were natively in the Atlanta suburbs. Yeah. Rick Ross is just rewilding the Atlanta area. Yeah. If you're saying land back and you're not giving the land back to buffaloes, you're not leftist. That's That's what I say to Rick Ross. 
Rick Ross is more leftist than most of y'all. And also, not paying his uh, 16-year-old workers is uh, leftist too, for reasons that I can't really think of off the top of my head. Well, it would be child labor if they got paid. Yeah. <laughs> it's not child labor if it's free. If they don't I think. It. Well, I think the actual story was that they were 16, but that he was doing wage theft to them because he was making them work until like midnight and shit and like not paying them enough. And also they're not allowed to work that late because they're under 18. Yeah. It's so sleazy. I hate that shit. When those guys are bragging about their wealth all the time, they have a private jet and then they're like, I'm going to hire an assistant for $80,000 or I'm going to pay you uh, $8 an hour to be my, uh, my, my wage slave at, um, yeah. at the fryer at 1 a.m. Come on. Yep. You can give that guy 20 bucks. Who cares? Why do you need to make a profit at your wing stop? Yeah, Rick Ross, it's, you gotta like respect the fact that he's always been a fraud. And he's the kind of guy, actually, like when it comes to like rap writers and stuff, they've always loved the idea that he's a fraud because like when Rick Ross came up and he pretended like he made his money selling drugs, but everyone knew that he had been a, a like a prison security guy. Uh, that was like the time when like rap writer guys were just like authenticity, like doesn't matter in music or whatever. And it's like, who gives a shit either way on like authenticity in music? I just think he's just like a kind of a loser, lame guy. Who's not, he's just kind of a dumb guy who exploits others and is not very interesting. (laughs) As a leftist, I believe that the police are a gang. They're a criminal syndicate. That's true. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. So again, leftism. Yeah. He is a gangster essentially. Rick Ross has got to become leftist. Leftist got this one right. Yeah, it can solve all of his problems except the wage stuff. But he I doesn't just wish need he was more authentic. Or actually, no, he is authentic though. I guess what you're saying is that he's authentic. Yeah, he's authentic. That's what I like, care what about. Is, in what rap is being is whether someone is or isn't authentic? I assume he was a crooked prison guard at least. I hope so. There's certainly plenty of those. It's not like being a prison guard and dealing drugs are mutually exclusive. That's true. I feel like so he who probably was just a run of the mill. I don't know. Has actually, I genuinely don't know if anyone did this ten years ago to like look into what other prison guards thought of him. Yeah, or what prisoners thought of him. Yeah, you remember remember William that. Roberts the second? Oh yeah, he was nice. That's actually a genuinely great idea for an article. <laughs> like figuring out who he was like working. Like find someone who was, especially if you could find a rapper who was in jail at the time. That would be really funny yeah. to find that. He was only there for 18 months, though. Ah, he was on to bigger and better things, ex- exploiting his workers at his Wingstop franchises. He made $25,000 a year when he resigned in June 1997. Let's see, Damn. inflation calculator. With inflation, that's probably like 40 or 50K. 25,794 in 1997. 49,231. Yeah, for a job that sucks. It could be okay, depending on where you are. Miserable. Yeah, but it's just like... You could make that much money. Country that would be good, but in Atlanta, that's not good. But yeah, Yeah. you can do something where you're not uh, basically a concentration camp guard. Yeah, overseeing human rights abuses. Yep. And you're instead a wingstop child labor guy. Yeah, he really made a come up. You know, you got to hand it to him. I think maybe at the end here we should touch on something from the Discord. They found a really amazing list. This was compiled in 2001. By the RIAA and the NEA, like the National Endowment for the Arts, where they asked Americans, it's a very weird group of people, they asked elected officials, music industry insiders, and people from the media, and teachers, and students, very nebulous group, it's hard to like define some of those things, what are like the most important songs of the 20th century with the most historical significance? 
And only 200 of the people responded. So I'm curious what the like selection bias is here. But the list is fucking insane. I feel like it was elderly gay men. Yeah, that, that seems about right. Because the West Side Story soundtrack, the entire everything else is one song. The entire but number thing. seven on the list is the entire soundtrack to West Side Story. Number one is Over the Rainbow. Insane. Which is a great song. It's a great is song. Is it the most important song of the 20th in, century? That's fucking in, insane. In 2001, to call that the song of the century, you have to be a certain type Wild. of... Wild. Yeah. You have to be like a gay man born in 1920. And I'm but sure see, that guy was is very fun to hang out with. I guess that's true. If it's gay guys born in 1920, then I could believe it. But if it's gay guys born in like 1960, 70, 80, this is still too insane. Because like, no, it should be Madonna. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, th- you have to be like literally like an 80 year old guy who is really to be into so old. Yeah, the newest one is 1967. Or no, it's so 1972. Crazy. American Pie. God, that song fucking sucks. It dude. sucks. That's number it's five so bad. overall. <laughs> Like, that's why he wrote that song was to be on this list. I'm writing like, okay. an anthem. Yeah, it the doesn't make 10, sense. Top 10 songs. Scott Joplin, The Entertainer. Righteous Brothers, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Bill Murray, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Is that it credited to Bill Murray often? Or Bill, oh no, sorry. Billy, 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 Billy Murray. Murray. I'm sorry. From yeah, Bill Murray, he's actually going back <laughs> in time now. He's showing up. It's so annoying. He just, he shows up at baseball games in 1877. <laughs> Uh, then of course like we were saying West Side Story Leonard Bernstein Stephen Sondheim Andrew's Andrew's sister's Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy is number six absolutely how do you insane. do a full album like how can you do that why can't you do the full Wizard of Oz soundtrack yeah nothing else on here is more than a single song why can't you put If I Only Had a Brain on here let's see t- uh, top five American Pie Aretha Franklin Respect Woody Guthrie This Land Is Your Land that's maybe the most plausible one here Bing Crosby White Christmas this song's a standard, but is it the second best song of the century? Fuck no. No, and then, absolutely. Yeah, over the not. rainbow at number one. Like so wild. Take me out to the ball game is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> the eighth most historically significant song. And actually, I think it's fair, like when you're thinking outside of pop music, that's an interesting addition. But is that actually culturally significant to the 20th century? Like when you think of the events that happened in the 20th century, did take me out to the ball game affect anything or mean anything? <laughs> It did have yeah, not really. It's but... just around. It's one of those songs. It's like a church bell. Yeah, it's something. It's like that saying you a, a church bell is your favorite song because you hear it the most. Yeah. The weirdest one is that John Philip Sousa, "The Stars and Stripes Forever." That's number twenty, and that came out in ni- uh, eighteen ninety-seven. Yeah. What the hell is that doing there? So that was not part of the nineteenth century or the twentieth century, and when this was made in uh, two thousand one. That was over a hundred years ago. So it doesn't yeah. make sense in any regard. No song was included from like the last, like what, 38 years of the century. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of tricky to do that. Cause you don't want to pick something that ends up being stupid. Like if they picked like what would have been current in 2001, like if they said a, a backstreet boys ballad was the song yeah, of the century or, like or something like, or something. Yeah. But it's like, like there's no Beatles songs in here. <laughs> Yeah, how do you not, like, put Yesterday on there There's no Prince. There's none of, like, all the actual biggest artists. I guess, actually, Rolling Stone's Satisfaction is the only, like, song on here that's, like, a rock song. Yeah, that's the heaviest song on here. Yeah. It's just crazy, man. There is one Beach Boys song, too, Good Vibrations. There's barely any jazz. Like, Take the A-Train is... Yeah, that's crazy. That and maybe Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, if if you qualify that. Louis Armstrong's only on here for when the saints go marching in. 
Yeah, he didn't write that. Yeah, I think it's listing like who's ever the most like well-known performer of it, but it's still just insane to have him on here for that, you know? Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy at number six is like psychotic. Nobody who was alive in 2001 thought about that song who isn't 10 trillion years old. Like you're right. It had to be only 80 year olds who responded. Yeah. Or people who just saw um, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah, they stop they and listen to that? Then? Yeah. Maybe isn't there a scene with that? That, was that like, movie what, is from like right ago? around then, right? Yeah. So maybe it was that. That's the only context I know that song from. Otherwise, I would have no idea who the Andrew sisters are. Yeah, the movie's 1998, so it was pretty fresh on people's yeah. minds. You Are My Sunshine. We've talked about how that guy was racist. Jimmy Davis, one of the guys who stitched up Huey Long. Oh, man. But yeah, I don't know what I would put on there. Probably Hey Ya. Like That's if I was going to do the, 20, 2000s, the 21st century. Oh, 21st century, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I put a few outcast things on there. Like what I would start with. like hmm. Actually, for my own bias, I'd put outcast in the 20th. Especially if you talk about American music specifically. Outcast definitely deserves to be in like a whole 20th century overview, you know? Oh, yeah. Miss Jackson or Rosa Parks. Yeah. Those were yeah. 90s. Yeah. Like it, it was past time to put rap on there. Even put Sugar Hill Gang on there. You're right. That's insane to not Do have something. a single rap. Like it's just wild. I love this. It is list. kind of heavily black, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that funny thing about it. It's, it's kind of diverse if you look at race and gender. Yeah. But it's only like, it's like Scott Joplin and Louis Armstrong and guys who had died many years ago. I think like these, it's funny that like in an era of clickbait, this list is more insane than any clickbait that exists. Oh yeah. This would, if this was on Twitter, people would get so mad. Yeah. They'd fucking lose their minds. Like, like if no uh, one who, makes clickbait like this and it's who was the guy that posted ironic. the stupid book list. Lex Friedman. Uh, I don't remember if Lex Friedman posted this as a song list, people would get so mad. Yeah. Or like Will Stansel. Yeah, if you would go this, viral. If Will Stansel <laughs> posted this and said, this is a list of my favorite songs, people would get so excited. That's true. It would be the biggest tweet of all time. Will Stansel was standing the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. There'd just be like 100,000 quote tweets. Yeah. He put the entire West Side Story, the whole thing. <laughs> Why only that one? Well, you know, everyone needs to sound off on which... Uh, Andrew's sister's song you would put in the 10 greatest songs of the 20th century. Uh, beer barrel polka. <laughs> yeah. Beer barrel polka, roll out the barrel. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Wow, music Legendary. used to be so stupid. Music used to be so, it was so like authentic though. We need to have that kind of like authenticity conversation about artists like the Andrew's sisters. It's like, they didn't really, like, date a boogie-woogie bugle boy. They didn't really know one. No, so, they like, were actually Marxist-Leninist. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, like, a critique of the war. Yeah. They wanted Stalin to keep marching east or west. <laughs> yeah, marching east, east in, into the sea. Yeah, he did need to go to Japan, too. Just you march can, right If you can rush Japan, Japan before the bomb, oh, yeah. man, you're set. Oh, Yeah. That's where you make your cars. That's where you make all the communist cars. Yeah, big mistake, you know. A lot of people, a lot of historians have said if he had only uh, had his troops just march to Japan. Yeah, they could have invented anime early. Yeah, <laughs> but instead, you know, instead of that counterfactual, we'll just have to continue to live in a world where "Over the Rainbow" was the greatest song of the 20th century. You know what? It's fine. That was the only song I could listen to. It's not the worst choice. We thank God for a damn 20.